Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. What's happening, Chris? Good morning. Good to see you. Oh, we, did, we, didn't, you, we didn't plan this today. We didn't plan this. We just both, I guess, are ready. Oh, we're ready for this. All right, all right. So we, we get one corny joke uh, per message. That's, that's the rule for pastors. Um, I get two, but you, you yeah, know, you yeah, that. yeah. So if we haven't met yet, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here. And this is Chris, and he's one of the pastors as well. And you get both of us today. It's, it's, it's a two for one. It's a two for one. And, um, and we thought we'd just throw Danny and Jenny up there at the beginning just to say hello because, you know, it's a big day here today. Actually, this is an historic day for our church today. And um, we're going to be unpacking this as we go. And that's sort of why we're both up here. But, Chris, you, so you and Amy, your family, you, like, you're OG. Like, you were in the living room with Danny and Jenny when this thing started um, why is today such a historic day? Well, that's true. So, uh, Amy and I, we, and, uh, Katie and Andrew was a baby. Uh, ben wasn't yet among us. <laughs> uh, we gathered with Danny and Jenny 12 years ago in their living room and, and from there Hope Church was launched and, um, and that's kind of, that's the church that you guys are a part of right now. Um, it's Hope Church and we eventually grew to expand and, um, partner with the, the location in Scotts Valley and made them a Hope Church as well. And then two years ago, we uh, came into partnership with uh, the Coastlands, which is a, a, a four-square church in Aptos with a long 40-year rich history of, um, of um, yeah, people loving and following Jesus over there. We partnered with them, and Danny and Jenny became the senior pastors for all uh, three locations. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a historic moment for our church as a whole because it and you probably have heard this if you've seen kind of some of the uh, videos and the things that we put out there. Our pastoral team, uh, our church councils, um, we've, we've prayerfully made the decision to unite Hope in Scotts Valley and Soquel and the Coastlands in Aptos as one new church. And um, we're, we're going with the name Tradewinds Church. And what we're doing is we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. This has come through a lot of prayer, a lot of um, thinking, and then some more prayer and some more thinking. And, um, and talking mm-hmm. and, and, um, and planning. And we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And our vision is to transform our communities by bringing hope, restoration, and empowerment to people's lives. And so you're invited today to be a part of that decision. So mm-hmm. it's true that we've been thinking and praying about this and we've, we've arrived at what we think is the direction for our church. Um, but we wanna seek confirmation in the way, and what that looks like is we wanna hear your voice today. So. We're at the end of the service, so when, when Tim and I are done talking, we're going we're gonna to sing a song of worship, and then we're going to have a congregational vote. Now, for Hope Church, we've never done that. In mm-hmm. the history of Hope, we've mm-hmm. never actually voted on anything. Um, <laughs> we're not one of those churches that votes on the color of the, I was going to say the carpet, <laughs> but we don't even have carpet. It's the color um, of the floor, the skate ramps. We don't yeah, vote on the yeah. skate ramps, you guys. No, we just, we we just, just, just put those yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. One day, I just painted that tree, and just people had to live with it. That's just what <laughs> happened, you know? Um, But today we're seeking confirmation uh, through a congregational vote. It's actually part of our polity as a four-square church to do this. And so we're going to have a ballot. We're going to pass it out at the end. I think we have a picture of it I can show you up on the screen. And basically um, it's it's very, very simple. 
uh, and we're going to just kind of walk you through how to fill out this ballot. And then you're going to just, at the end, you're going to just drop it in that um, container on the way out. And we have uh, some lovely council members here. We have uh, Eric Brown and John Hart, I believe, mm -hmm. are going to count these ballots. So Tim and I don't count them or look at them. It's going to be our council members will count them. And, and then next week at the Church in the Park, you'll find out the results of that that vote. Now, if you're here and you've been a part of Hope for some time, um, then it's possible that you feel like this, this is kind of a big change. It's possible to feel uh, maybe a little bit of uh, sadness around uh, the potential change of a name that has come to really mean something in this community. And I would just say this, that, um, that Amy and I, if, if, if anyone feels any sadness around it, it would be us. We've been here since the beginning. There's, there's some sadness. Anytime there's change, there's some natural sense of the loss of the thing that is changing. But actually, change is very much a part of the human experience. It's very normal. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, resistance to change is, is, is actually outside the norm. And, and in fact, Christianity itself is a change agent in the world. Mm -hmm. The world is changing because of the message of Jesus. And so we want to be a, a part of that change, and we want to lean into that change. And I would just encourage you, be okay with feeling the way that you feel, but then also listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you want to process, uh, many of you have come to us and have asked us for help and just say, how do I, how do I walk this, this through, like in my spirit? Uh, we hope that you'll come to us. You can reach out to us during the week or just stop us in the courtyard. Uh, maybe if you're going to stay for pancakes. Well, not maybe. Like You're, you're definitely going to stay for pancakes and coffee, um, right? Because you're a normal human being. Right, so you're gonna stay for pancakes. Um, stop us in the courtyard. Let us know. Hey, I'm really struggling with this, or I have some questions about this. You know, we're here to walk with you through all of this, even as we walk through it ourselves. And so, uh, we want you guys to know that. So, what we've been doing over the last two weeks, and then what we're gonna do here today, then, is we've been walking through what does our vision look like in light of this new season this fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, right, that God's been inviting us into, what does that look like practically for us? And so if you haven't been here, uh, let me bring you up to speed. So two weeks ago, we started talking about reach, this one word called reach. And we were talking about how God's, God's heart is to reach down into humanity and offer his love, right? This is what happened when Jesus came, right? When God was made flesh, what God was doing was he was reaching down into broken humanity and saying, I have something better for you, right? And aren't you glad, those of you who are followers of Jesus, and we're not assuming everybody in here, in fact, we know not everybody in this room or watching online or listening to our podcast is a follower of Jesus. But for those of you who are, at one point, God reached down into your life and said, I want to offer you my love. You're for, I want to offer you forgiveness, Right? And aren't you glad that he did that? Yes. I mean, it's amazing. And, and when you accept his love, when you allow him to become the leader of your life, you move from death to life spiritually. And it's just amazing. It's where it all starts, right? And then last Sunday, we talked, about, we talked about restore. So God doesn't just want to reach you with his love, but he wants to fix the broken places. He wants to bring back to life the dead places. He wants to heal the places that are sick, right? And so isn't that amazing? Like God, he loves us enough to reach down in humanity and offer us his love, but he loves us even more that he would say, I don't want to leave you in that broken down, jacked up state that I found you in. 
I want to heal you. I want to bring new life. I want, to, I want to give you purpose and meaning, right? This is what God does. So reach and restore. And today we're going to talk about the third piece of the puzzle, which is release. And so it's not enough that God would reach down into humanity and offer us his love and that he would restore the broken places inside of us. But he also calls us then to take that wholeness that we've received and turn it outward to a world that needs it, right? Now, here's the thing, you guys. This is God's plan A, and there's no plan B. This is it. This is how he has designed it to be. And so we're going to talk about release. So we've had a passage, actually, in the book of Hebrews that's been our guide. And so it's going to be up on the screen. Let me read this passage to you. All three weeks, we've been talking through this passage. Therefore, brothers and sisters. Now, if you're new to us, with us here today, therefore... We want to know what it's there for, right? Uh, the author of Hebrews has just explored the forgiveness of Jesus that he offers to us. In light of the forgiveness that God offers to you and me, since we have confidence now to enter the most holy place, the presence of God, by the blood of Jesus through his sacrifice, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, his broken body. And since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near to God then. God wants us to draw near to him. Isn't that amazing? He's not just like God out there is super powerful. He's like the Wizard of Oz where you can't get behind the curtain. right? He's inviting you in. Therefore, since we have a great priest, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up, meeting together like all of you are now, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, the day of Jesus returning for us, approaching. Yeah, thanks, Tim. So, um when I was kind of meditating on this passage and we're kind of preparing to teach today, I was thinking about this, uh, this thing that happened to me. When I was 18 years old, I uh, flew off to Dallas, Texas to go to a Bible college. And my, right away I landed and that first week I went out and I applied for several jobs and I got hired at an Applebee's restaurant. And I was working at an Applebee's. Um, I did that for three months and then I worked for a Holiday Inn. That was a, a, definitely a step down. Um, and uh, I was a banquetman. That was a miserable job. And then after that, I started applying again, and I got a job at a TGI Fridays in the West End of Texas. This was like a, like among college students, this was like a premier. I mean, this is like a choice job. And you know, I had the flair, you know, the, the suspenders and the red and white striped hat, and the, the whole deal, you know. And I'd been there for one month, and I was loving it because in the West End of Dallas, Texas, like people, are, people get it on. Like it's, it's mm. like happening. And so I, I was making, like, what to me seemed like a lot of money, you know, <laughs> dozens of dollars. Um, and uh, so after I'd been there for one month, my, my manager came to me and said, I was wondering if, you would, if you'd like to sign up for our training program. And so here's the thing. The only thing that I heard was he said, you'll go from making $2.13 an hour, because this might be shocking if you haven't heard this before, but back then waiters had to sign a waiver that said you would take less than minimum wage. So my pay on a paycheck was $2.13 an hour. That was actually really common for waiters. Most of your money came from uh, tips. 
And he said, it will bump you up to $4.75 an hour. Woo. Big time. Doggy. Big uh, time. Yeah, climbing the ladder. And I said, absolutely. And he goes, okay, be, uh, be at this address on Saturday on this date. So I showed up at this address, and I walked in. There was 20 other people that were a part of this training program. And I sat down at the table, and the guy walks in. He hands out the manuals, and he says, okay, today's an eight-hour training day. I'm glad you guys are all signed up for this. And, um, and we have Chris Matley here. He's going to lead the training today. <laughs> well, you've been there how long? One month. One month. Yeah. So what had happened is the wires had crossed and uh, the paperwork had gotten uh, mixed up, and someone thought that I had, uh, I had thought that I was signing up to be trained. I was signing up to run the training class, but nobody gave me any instruction. I'd been there for one month. I had the same binder everyone else had, and I taught an eight-hour class that day on waiting tables. With, yeah. And I had, all, I had my whole waiting table <laughs> career was I had one other job at Applebee's, which was totally different. It was awesome. So I just felt so like in that moment, I was like, man, I am radically underprepared for this moment. And I was reading this passage. I was thinking about how that's actually a feature of following Jesus mm -hmm. is like right from the beginning. You see these stories of the first followers of Jesus and Jesus goes, OK, I'm leaving you now. Right, mm -hmm. And then you, you get saved, and it's all about the love of God, and you're just drawn to the message of Jesus. And then all of a sudden you hear, like, oh, now you know, right? And so, you know, I, I, as I was thinking about this passage, and we read this Hebrews passage over and over, I just I kept coming back to that moment of being radically unprepared. But in the case of being a Jesus follower, although we're underprepared, we have the Holy Spirit to lead mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what this passage is about. Yeah, and that's sort of what we want to talk about today, is that... You know, being reached is amazing. We love that. And being restored, even though it's a bit painful, we love that too. But being released to be God's ambassador of his love to the world, that's a little daunting, right? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, about how God has made a provision for us to do that. And, and can, I just, can I just make a note here? I, just, I need anyone who's here for the first time to know this, that none of us literally... None of us in this room, for generations to come, anyone who watches this recording is not surprised that Chris Matley pulled off an eight-hour training <laughs> course, having been on the job for one month, right? Only some people could do that. But anyway, um, so today what we're going to do is we're going to, as we talk about being released, we really want to um, focus on the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Because God has given you everything you need to do everything that he's called you to do. And so today we want to explore that. And so the very last section of the passage that I read earlier is what we're going to focus on here today. Let's read it again. It says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You guys, we don't do this alone. We do this together. This is how we step into being uh, as unprepared or more than what Chris just described, right? Going into that training session. Let us spur, uh, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. That's an important part of us being released into our world is gathering together. Um, and then it goes on to say, all the more as you see the day approaching. And so as we unpack this passage here today, what we're going to do is we're going to explore this one big idea of truth. 
If you're like me, you might be able to walk out of here remembering one thing today. And this is the one thing that we hope you'll remember. You'll see it up on the screen. As we're empowered, reached and restored, as we're empowered through God, we can be released to reach and restore others. This is how God works. He reaches us, he restores us, and then he calls us, he releases us to go do the same for other people. All right, so let's look at this another way. So we, um, we were talking about this through the week, and we were collaborating with uh, Danny and with Chad as we were preparing for this message. And Danny um, came up with this graphic. He's like, check this, check this out, you guys. This is a, a really cool way of looking at these values. In fact, I think this photo that he took, this is a Danny Bennett photo of the harbor. Really pretty there. You got the lighthouse, right? And let's put our values out there. So reach, restore, release. Because in the conversations surrounding, and by the way, as we're, you know, today as we're voting on a new name, what we're actually really voting for is, is something much deeper than mm -hmm. a name. It's actually what we're voting for is our desire to see unity um, in our church mm -hmm. and to embrace uh, this kind of new and more mature vision that is encapsulated in these three words. That we want to be a church that, that reaches the lost and restores people and then releases people into what God has for them. And what you see in the words of Jesus when he first came out and he started um, uh, calling future followers of Jesus is he, you see this in these values in his words. He says, come, right? Mm -hmm. Come. He, he invites mm -hmm. them into something. And that's the reaching. And then he says, he describes this process of being restored as follow me, mm -hmm. follow me. And then you see them do that. Everywhere that Jesus and his friends went, they walked. Yeah. They walked everywhere. They walked miles all the time. And they spent that time in conversation, asking questions, and eating together. That's the follow me. And then, and then in the end, he says, he says, I'm going to send you. I'm going to make you fish for others. Right? He releases them into something more. And then at the end, when, after the, the death and then the resurrection of Jesus, he comes back and he uses these words finally to describe uh, what his followers are going to do. He says, go into all the world. Mm -hmm. He says, I want you to make disciples. I want you to extend this invitation to others. Right? Make future followers of Jesus. And he says, teach them to obey my commands. Can you guys read that down there at the bottom? Right? Teach them to obey my commands. That is, show them what's important to me and allow them the room to then come and make that important to them. Mm -hmm. right? And then finally he says, go. Go into all the world. That's the release. He's, he's releasing us into something more and something, mm -hmm. something more powerful. And, and I think it's important too, Chris, that, I mean, as we look at this right here, this is more than just a bunch of um, leaders sitting around in a room saying, hey, how do we, okay, so let's come up with three words that start with the letter R, because that's what we do, right? Like, come on, let's just come up with three R. No, this, uh, the reach, restore, release is literally tied to the words and the instructions of Jesus. We're not just coming up with a, a new thing for a church to like, you know, be able to talk about. This is us digging into the heart of Jesus, right? That's right. And, and as we do that, it's important to, again, emphasize that uh, following Jesus, unempowered by the Holy Spirit would mm -hmm. be hard. In fact, I would say, mm -hmm. I say, I often say it like this, the Christian life is, is not hard. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's impossible, the thing that he's called us to. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if we're using this kind of boat analogy, you know, boats are not made to stay in the harbor. Mm -hmm. And neither were you. Neither were you. You know, there were there probably came a point, and if you've been 
coming to church for some time, there probably came a point where you piloted your broken down, leaky boat into a safe harbor. Mm -hmm. It was a church, mm -hmm. and uh, you probably experienced some some restoration there, some some healing. I would hope so, um, but you were not meant to stay camped out at the harbor. We we've met those people, right? That live in the harbor, you know. <laughs> that's not that's not who you want to be. <laughs> we're made for the high seas. We're made to go back out there and, and find other people with broken down leaky boats and show them the way to Jesus. Um, yeah, that's what we're designed for. That's right. And so when we look at following the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right, this, this, is, this is where we're going with all of this. We shouldn't be surprised as followers of Jesus. This is something that we find all throughout the New Testament. If you read and you study the life and the practice and the belief of the early church, Right, that church that were the very first ones to experience this this thing that we're now all in right now, right? Like they were the first ones to be reached, they were the very first ones to be restored, and then they were the very first ones that instead of Jesus saying, "All right, so I want you to just gather all together in this comfy, warm place and hunker down until you know I come back." No, they were the first ones that had to wrestle with the tension of Jesus saying, now that you've been reached and restored, I want to send you out then. I want to release you into um, what I've called you to do. They were the first ones. And here's what they experienced. And these are some, you'll see this up on the screen. Um, in John 3, Jesus says it like this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, I want, I want you to catch this. Jesus said, being born of the Spirit or following the Holy Spirit in your life, letting the Spirit lead you out into the world, releasing you out into the world to share the love of Jesus with other people, doing that is like following the wind. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going, but you know it's there. And if you're in a boat on the water, you're following where the wind blows because you've got your sail up, right? And for many of us, this is a new paradigm when it comes to following Jesus. Because why? Because we love for things to be safe and secure. So the temptation, like Chris talked about, is to stay in the harbor because it's predictable. It's safe. I know where the dock is. I know that if I get on the dock and I head up to the, you know, to the restaurant, you know, and I'm, I'm like specifically, you know, picturing right now the crow's nest, you know, like people just eat there every day. I don't know. Maybe some people do. But if you eat there every day, please invite me and Nicole to lunch with you today. But we know it. It's predictable. But when we follow Jesus, we set sail. And we head out and it's unpredictable now for some of you like you like you it's it, you're stressed right now just listening to that like you're like what i know these you know some of you are like let's go you're like man i can't wait to see what lands we're gonna discover what islands we're gonna land on what beaches we're gonna it's gonna be amazing and wherever you are this is the life of following jesus so let's look at another passage in galatians paul says this and later the Apostle Paul said, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
So we live, we say we follow after Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit empowers us. And so if we are in that place, then we keep in step with the Spirit. Where the Spirit leads, we go, right? This is the heart of following Jesus. And I think this is where we do a disservice to people when all we do is say, hey, here's the amazing love of Jesus. We want you to experience it. Grab a hold of it and take it. And you're like, yeah, I love that. But we don't tell them sometimes that following after Jesus, receiving his love also means that we surrender ourselves. We follow his way and not our way. We stay in step with the spirit. And then in Acts 1, Jesus says it like this. Then they gathered around Jesus and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, can I just comment on that real quick? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I love this passage, but I always like to point out that the reason why it's anonymous who asked that question, because, you know, oftentimes we'll say Peter stopped and asked the question. John stopped and asked this question. They kept it anonymous, I think, to protect uh, this person because this, is, this qualifies as the dumbest question in all of the New Testament. Right? Because, listen, listen to this. They've been following Jesus for something like three years. He died, then came back to life, cementing his teachings as basically a, a, a nonviolent pursuit of mm. kingdom principles in the world. And then on the last day he spends with them, they, someone asks, are we going to now uh, overthrow the Roman government? <laughs> that's what that statement meant, yeah, right? that's right. Are we going to now do yeah. the thing where we, we're we going to get the swords now, Jesus? <laughs> he says, no. Actually, listen to the, I would have answered that so differently, but listen to the gentle way that Jesus answers that question. This is amazing. Yeah. So, so bef before I read this, though, think about this, like for those of you who have kids, when your kids have asked you a question that you're just like, are you serious right now? <laughs> you know, either it doesn't make any sense or they've just done something that's like we've had we've had our kids at different times where they do something like a big they have a big meltdown right and it's just like horrible it's just this whole thing and we just and it's like this dramatic thing like we're going to be in counseling about this experience <laughs> and then they turn and they're like so hey can I spend the night at my friend's house <laughs> and you're like what are you even talking about uh -huh. this this is what happens here so Jesus looks at them and he says it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Basically, what he's saying is, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That is not for you to be thinking about. That is actually a pretty dumb question. <laughs> but he turns to them and he says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what will happen as a result of you receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, which is an amazing, amazing thing, the end result of that is that we will be his witnesses wherever we find ourselves in this world and in this life one is intimately connected to the other are you a follower of jesus then you have the holy spirit inside of you do you have the holy spirit inside of you 
then, you're, then you have power. Do you have the Holy Spirit's power inside of you because you're a follower of Jesus? Then you will be his witness wherever you are. They're intimately linked together. You can't separate one and be like, I'll take the relationship with Jesus. I'll take the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll leave the witnessing, you know, displaying God's love to the world around me to somebody else. They go together. Hand in hand, they go together, right? Now, realizing that we live a sent life, though. So if, if, you're, if you're tracking with me, that if you follow Jesus, you're filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit, you are his witnesses to the world. It's one thing to just know that truth, right? But it's a whole other thing to do it, right, Chris? I mean... It is, yeah. So what does it look like to, to walk this out? I think there's, it's really easy to uh, take this with no explanation and, and receive it as... Um, there's a way that you could receive this as almost like a, like a burden. Like, oh, okay, mm. so I have to... I have to generate this kind of version of myself out there in the world, and that's not that's not the message of Jesus. There's, in fact, he's calling us to do um, just a few things. One is to to be a bold witness, and you know it's a distinctive of those that follow Jesus that they've received the Holy Spirit and they're not afraid um, to be who God has called them to be. Now, when I was when I was coming up in in church, I I would hear this, and you know if you're like me and you're actually terrible about you're terrible at talking about Jesus with strangers. I, I'm not good at it. Like, I, I, it, it makes me nervous, and I'm, I'm bad at it. I, I remember one time in my early 20s, I was standing to get coffee somewhere, and I just, I, you know, I felt that, like, have you ever felt, like, that burning in your chest? Like, this person, I just need to say something to them. And I remember I said this. I was like, ah, thanks for the coffee. I was like, you should know about Jesus. And I just <laughs> ran out. You should know about Jesus? What? I was like, oh, dang it. You know, <laughs> a bold witness, I've come to learn, I, I've, I think I've matured in my view of this, a bold witness means that there's only one version of you. Mm -hmm. There's only one version of you. Mm -hmm. You're just you. You're, you're the you that God made you to be. Yeah. It doesn't mean I got to go out there and I got to put on my Christian costume. It means be exactly who Christ made you to be mm -hmm. all the time, all the time. Having kids really helps mm -hmm. with this. I, I don't want my kids to know that there's two versions of me. I want them to know that there's one version, and that's who I am all the time. And, and second is lean into the gifts that, that mm -hmm. God has naturally and supernaturally given you. Whatever those things are, lean into them. And if it's not your thing, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Unless there's a, you know, a call to radical obedience, which sometimes happens. You're in a coffee shop, and the Holy Spirit says, tell this guy about Jesus. And you go, you should know about Jesus. And then, <laughs> and then run away. That's... And so, Chris, sometimes that's your, your boldest witness, right, yeah. is your gift. Yeah. So if your gift is encouragement, you shine the light of God's love most by just simply encouraging people. That's right. Right? Like we, we just dropped off our oldest um, for her senior year at Berkeley, and she's, she's living in a, um, in a Berkeley co-op. So I see some of you laughing. If you've ever – I'm not even going to try to describe a Berkeley co-op, you guys – just by simply encouraging people, she will be a light in that place unbelievably. Yeah. That's how, yeah, we're not talking about trying to, trying to turn the conversation every time toward Jesus. Yeah. Use your gifting, right? That's right. And, and I've, I've come to believe this, that God doesn't, he doesn't send the qualified. He qualifies mm. the sent. We are yeah. all the sent ones. He describes his people as the sent ones, and he'll qualify us as we go. 
That's, that's how it works. In fact, this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, I think we have it for the screen too. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, if you want to turn there. Paul describes uh, this dynamic like this. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people. Check this out. To equip his people for the work of the service. Who's outside of that arrangement? Nobody. Everybody is included in that sentence. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's some future version of us where Jesus has returned and we've just, we've, we've made it, right? But in the meantime, we're all in this together, right? So hold, so hold on. Go, so let's go back one screen on this to the apostles, prophets, evangelists. It's the one right before this one. Yeah. So wait, so Chris, you're telling us we all fall into these categories, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We all have some element of this. This, this I don't know about you guys, but this seems pretty like daunting like this seems to be like super hype like like the high spiritual the like the best of the best those who like have it all together that i mean that just seems really dramatic to yeah me. there's a way uh, i think in you know so you know western culture is very hierarchical so we tend to we take labels and you know we read these and we probably think like this is the avengers right this is captain america and thor <laughs> like i you know i just that's like, right I just keep the uh, I keep their ship running, or you know whatever you know. In fact, these are descriptions of types. Paul uses these to describe uh, types, and he uses them in a very uh, very fuzzy way, actually, uh, an embracingly fuzzy way. And here's what I mean by that: is that he says right there in that sentence that all the people of God, all the followers of Jesus, are commissioned um, uh, to do the work of the ministry. We're in this together. And then, and then some, at sometimes, some of the people, he gives some gifts to help equip that process. Now, if, if, if you're here and you're hearing this, very likely, um, very likely you have some of these gifts in you. It doesn't mean that you're going to go by a title. In fact, the title is not important. In fact, it would be strange to say, like, um, like hey, this is my friend Tim, uh, Tim the Apostle. That'd be yeah. very strange, yeah. right? I prefer prophet. You can okay. call me prophet if you want. That, you know, it's strange. That'd be strange. In, uh, in fact, it is strange. That's not what Paul is advocating here. What he's saying is he's saying there's, there's ways in which we operate in some of these gifts some of the time. And so um, what I want to do is just these five gifts, I wanted to just briefly explain them. And, I, and as I do this, would you, would you lean in just a little bit and, and ask the Holy Spirit to maybe point out it, um, yourself in one of these descriptions. It's very, very possible that you're going to hear a description, and for the first time, you're going to say, "Oh my goodness, that's mm -hmm. that's me a little bit," mm -hmm. and that's that's the right way to 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 respond to that. Is that's me a little bit? Mm -hmm. God, help me to to use that that thing that you've given me and done in me. So, so if you are if you have a little bit of the prophetic in you, then um, then very likely that you're good at telling us where we're going. These are vision casters. These are people that see the big picture. They're often creative, and they have a way of talking about um, big plans and big changes, right? Um, these people uh, scare me a little bit, but um, but they're important for our body. To, it's important for people to have the big picture and say, have you ever heard someone just dream really big dreams? Right? And you just go, wow, that's amazing. How did you get that? These, these, these are people that have a little bit of the prophetic in them. 
And there's people that have a little bit of the apostolic in them. And these are people that they're really good at, at directing. They, they tell us how we're going to get there. Hmm. They're good at explaining and saying, you know what? Here's what we're doing, and here's how we're going to get there. Um, oftentimes, these people have, have leadership gifts, in fact. And evangelists, you know, evangelists, I, I have this picture in my head when I hear the word evangelist. It has so much baggage. You know, this guy on the TV just like, mm -hmm. you know, preaching at the TV. Uh, big hair for some reason, you know. <laughs> But actually, evangelists are are very loving. They just they remind us to invite others on the journey. Hey, let's include everyone. Mm. Do you know anyone like that? Let's just make sure everyone can go. That there's no roadblocks between anyone mm. and Jesus, right? And pastors, you know, the word pastor is probably the most abused, maligned word mm. <laughs> from the New Testament because we have just twisted it into something that it's not. The reality is, pastor just simply means shepherd. It's a person that cares about people. If you're here and you care about people, then you have something of the pastoral in you, mm. and you should care about people. In fact, you probably already are, and you're doing it without being asked, mm -hmm. because that's, that's pastors. They make, they make sure that everyone stays together for the journey. And then, and then teachers, um, teachers like to explain things, like I'm doing right now. Teachers tell us what we need on, along the trip. They, the teachers love to see the light come on in someone's, someone's eyes when they're explaining some complicated piece of scripture or or just, just explaining what people are going to need along the journey. So, Yeah. Well, so what do we do with this? So, so we're just beginning to sort of scratch the surface. For the first time ever, maybe you have seen yourself in light of one of these five things that we've just mentioned. Like you wouldn't have called yourself a pastor necessarily, but you naturally care for people. You, you want to come alongside of people. And maybe for the first time you're realizing, oh, I, I may, I, maybe I have some pastoral tendencies in my life. Maybe I'm pastoral oriented in this in this life. You know, maybe the apostle or the you know when you when you see the big picture, for example, here's 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 a good sign that 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 this might be you. When you walk out into the courtyard and you look around the courtyard, what do you see and what do you feel? Like if you see all of the people and you're like, man, this is amazing. They're all connecting and I'm looking at different people connecting and oh, there's somebody sitting by themselves. I want to go talk to them. You know, if you see all the details, like that table skirt on that table is like way off. I wish somebody would just go fix that. There's some trash on the coffee table. I really wish somebody would just kind of sweep that off and, and do that, right? You can kind of see where you fit how God has naturally gifted you, right? How he's wired you. Now, as we begin to move into this life of being sent, of being released into all of what God has for us, naturally, uh, there will be some roadblocks, some barriers that will come up. And so maybe for you, maybe fear. Fear is a good, a good roadblock. Like, I don't, I don't want to be in a position like Chris described where I'm getting coffee and I'm mumbling something about Jesus to somebody, right? Like, I don't want to be in that uncomfortable place, you know? I don't, I don't want to do that. There, there's natural fear that comes up, right? There's also a sense maybe of, of being disqualified. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, yeah, Tim, I'm following with you guys. I'm tracking with you. I get it. But I'm not the best ambassador of God's love. Like... You don't know what I've done to get to this point today. Um, you don't know what I was looking at last night. 
you don't know what came out of my mouth last week. I've done too much. I'm disqualified. Well, the beauty of that is that Jesus comes in and he his the blood of Jesus covers over all of that. Congratulations. If you have stuff in your history or you have stuff you're wrestling with right now, congratulations. That's exactly who God wants to use to display his love to the world around us. So maybe you're afraid, maybe you're disqualified. Maybe for some of you, you just have never been asked. It's been a lack of opportunity. You've never had somebody tell you, you have pastoral gifts. You have the heart of an evangelist. You love to invite people in, right? You, you, have, you have the gifting of an apostle. You can see all the pieces and how they fit together and bring them together. Maybe nobody's invited you. Today, consider this to be your invitation. You are invited to the front lines, to the first team. You are God's plan A, right? So as we look at those types of things, let me ask you a few questions, and then, and then we're going we're gonna to try to um, bring, this, bring this to a close. So here are three questions that you can ask yourself. Will you allow God's wind to fill your sails to help others find and follow Jesus? It all comes down to this question. Are you willing? I, I hope you've gotten a sense today that the heart of God is for you to be released to the world around us. Now the question is, are you willing to accept that calling? Here's our second question. What are the unique ways that God uses you to encourage other people? And whatever that looks like for you, lean into that. That's the natural place where God has gifted you to engage the world around you. And then here's the third question. What if we can create a movement, can see God create a movement to see people equipped and empowered? to be released, to reach and restore. What would that look like for us? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.